it one more time. It sounds so good. somewhere you can cast your cares. Amen. I'm I'm thankful for that because I have cares. I don't know if you have cares, but I have cares. We all have cares of different things. Some of them might be emotional. Some of them might be financial. Some of them might be even spiritual, but we all have cares. Amen. And he cares. So thankful for that. I want to welcome you to the service this morning. Um, we're going to open the service in a word of prayer. I've got a pretty extensive uh, prayer request uh, list. Um, if you could play, uh, bring all your needs to the altar there, Sister Becky. Um, I'm going to ask Brother Danny Florian if he'll uh, come open the service in a word of prayer and uh, take these prayer requests before the throne. Um, we want to uh, remember our Sister Mary Smith in prayer. Um, we remember her and Brother Richard in prayer a lot as... Uh, Brother Richard takes care of her at home, but she uh, recently had a uh, fall, so we just want to pray for her and uh, pray for healing uh, for her. Uh, Brother Matt Cross and uh, the family are sick this morning, so we want to remember them. Uh, Brother Tim Ashlong and his wife are in Connecticut uh, today. Uh, Sister Jackie Sylvester's in uh, Kentucky. Uh, Brother Jaron at home. They had uh, vehicle trouble this morning, so he's at home trying to work on that. I want to remember uh, little Titus Mayo. Uh, was not feeling well this morning. And uh, we want to remember uh, Sister Leah's Mayo's uh, aunt is in hospice, so we want to remember her in prayer. Uh, we continue to remember um, Sister uh, Rachel Richard in prayer as she uh, lost uh, her grandmother last week, who she was very close to, and so we want to remember her in prayer. Our brother uh, Tyler is working. We want to continue to remember Brother Joe Paschal uh, prayer for him, and uh, want to remember uh, Sister Carrie Whitlock as well. It's a lot of prayer requests. Um, if you have an unspoken prayer you need, if you want to make it known, Brother Danny, if you could come. I'm thankful, Lord, amen, that uh, there's somewhere where we can go, amen. It's got all of our cares. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we're just so thankful that we have a house to come to, Lord Father, that we that you have an ear, Lord Father, to hear our needs. And Lord, I cannot remember all those needs that were mentioned, but you are the creator of heaven and earth. Lord Father, there is nothing under the sun that you do not know, that you do not see. 
And because of that, Lord, we're just so thankful. Just like you take care of all the creatures, Lord Father, out there. We believe and we trust in you that you will meet those needs that were mentioned. I pray, Lord Father, that you prepare our minds and our hearts to receive your word this morning. We're just so thankful to be here. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Brother Danny. Turn and shake hands with those that are around you. Welcome them, and then you uh, may have your seats. want to welcome our visitors that are here with us. Um, it's good to have the Vasakis here. They're not really visitors, though. They feel like they're part of us, so it's good to have them here. It's good to have all the rest of our youth visitors that are here. God bless you. Um, Sister Hannah, I hear you're going to be singing for us. Is that correct? All right, good. We'll get you to come up here in just a uh, minute. Um, Let's sing um, Shout to the Lord. I was thinking about that this morning um, when I was getting up early. Of What a great day it was. It's a little chilly outside, but it's so sunny. And uh, I hope I'm okay there, Sister Becky. All right, all right. My Jesus, my Savior, Lord, there is none like you. Amen. All of my days, I want to praise the wonders of your mighty love. My comfort, my shelter, tower of refuge and strength, oh, let every breath all that I am never cease to worship you. Amen. Shout to the Lord. Earth, let us sing power and majesty. Praise to the King. Mountains bow down. the sound of your name. I'll sing for joy the work of your hand. Ever I'll love you. Ever I'll stand. Nothing compares to the promise I have in you. My Jesus, my Savior, Lord, there is none like you. All of my days, I want to praise the wonders of your mighty love. My comfort my shelter 
I drifted so far, but Jesus was near to rescue my soul and calm all my fears. I'm safe from all harm since I met the one who came looking for me. Had already picked out my grave His plan was to foil and put me away I drifted so far Would anyone care that I'd soon be lost? I knew my destruction was a matter of time But Jesus appeared and said, this one is mine. Now I'm safe from all harm, cause he walked through the storm and came looking for me. My soul and calm all my fears. I'm safe from all harm since I met the one who came looking for me. Oh, he came looking for me. He came looking for me. She's making her way up here. Just got a quick announcement here. Uh, Youth event, hike, and fellowship on the afternoon of April 1st. Uh, More info to come. So I don't know who's doing that. Is that you, Peter? Okay. So uh, see Brother Peter, I guess, uh, if you got any questions. You formed me with your holy hands before my birth. 
all he wants. Amen. He just wants our everything. Amen. I really enjoy that. I'm going to ask the ushers to come. Appreciate the uh, specials. It, it's, uh, it's amazing to me um, when you look at the message and believers, how much the world would give to be able to have the talent that we have. Um, it's it's really amazing, and uh, I'm so thankful for that. Amen. Thankful for not only the words and how good the voices are, but the atmosphere that it brings with it. Amen. Brother Mike, if you could say a blessing on the offering. 
Amen. Can we sing a song, uh, I'm Amazed? Amazed that you love me. I'm amazed sometimes that he loves me. I don't know if anybody else feels that way, but uh, sometimes I, I look at myself in the mirror and I'm like, wow, I don't even love me. I'm amazed that he loves me. Amen. I'm amazed that you love me. Oh, I'm amazed how you care. Amen. Through your precious blood, I found pardon. Oh, and my sins are washed. They're all washed away Oh, my sins are washed away First verse No one knew how alone I was feeling And the emptiness I tried so hard to hide Although I laughed, said my life was fine without you I was covering up the secret tears I cried Amen Then one day told me of your mercies and the love you showed through a field called Calvary Will there you die my redemption hallelujah when you broke sin's power and set my spirit free sing it I'm amazed hallelujah that you love me oh I'm amazed how you care through your precious blood I found pardon Oh, and my sins are washed They're all washed away Oh, my sins are washed away Yes, it's true There have been days when I failed you Lord, you know the many times I've gone astray Oh, but I've learned Your love is then my weakness Aren't you thankful? And your ear is open Every time I pray No one else has ever cared For me like you, Lord Other friends could never be so close to me Well, I'm not afraid to face the problems of tomorrow Knowing you are everything I'll ever need Well, I'm amazed Yes, that you love me Oh, I'm amazed 
Let's sing it again. Sing it again now. Yes, I'm amazed that you love me. Lord, I'm amazed how you came through your precious blood. I found pardon and my sins are washed. thankful, Lord Jesus, that our sins are washed away. We're thankful, Lord, that we've been set free. we thank thankful, Lord, that you have made us acceptable in the Beloved. Father, I pray now in the name of Jesus Christ that you would just reach down, Lord, and just continue to pour yourself out upon this place. And Lord, you would just anoint the word to our hearts today. Lord, that you would be the teacher and the one who places and quickens that word in our hearts, Lord, that it would live and it would become a reality to us, Lord, and it would be a reflection of your character in our lives. Have your way now, we pray. Forgive us of anything, Lord, that may hinder the moving of the Holy Spirit. And Lord, just be pleased with our gathering today, Lord. Accept our worship, Lord, and we know that you just delight in the praises of your people. Meet every need, Lord. Heal those that are sick. Minister to those that are listening from afar. And have your way, Lord, we pray in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen and amen. I want you to sing it one more time just like you just sang it. It sounds so nice. I'm amazed that you love me. people said. You may be seated this morning. God bless you. We'll let our musicians take their places today and welcome all of you to the house of the Lord. It's an honor to be with you today and share this uh, blessing of being together in God's house with God's people and um, such a beautiful day to serve him, but I don't know that there are any bad days to serve him. I want to just give you a couple of uh, announcements this morning here, a couple of uh, things that are um, happening and uh, bring you up to date. Um, <clears throat> just so that you know uh, where we're <laughs> all the different things that are taking place here this morning. Uh, I so appreciate the song service and the specials and everything that uh, contributed to where we are. So you just hold that now, hold that spirit of worship and we'll just jump right into the word in just a moment.
It's the same. And there's a portion of word laid for every age. There's a portion of the word laid for every age. Therefore, there's one laid for us, isn't there? It's an anointing that comes down that projects that portion of the word for that age. And you see where we're at today. When, when God projects his word for a particular time, it, 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 it quickens, it illuminates, it calls uh, the elect of that day because God puts something in them to respond to that word for that age. Right? Every, we understand that? All right, and I can only see one thing left. Brother Bram said that's the coming of the Lord Jesus and at any time for a rapture of the church. In other words, he's pointing to what God is going to be dealing with in our time. And this is the thing. This is the primary thing. There's a lot of other things that are happening, but this is the thing that God's focusing on is to get this church out of here, uh, to rapture the church, to give the church rapturing faith, to accelerate our faith and, and our, our walk with him so that we can walk just like Enoch did. And he's identifying that. He's pointing to that because every age has that. You will not find Martin Luther saying that. And you won't find John Wesley saying that. But you will find Brother Branham saying that for our time because that's what God's trying to project for our time. All right? We're okay. That's, that's elementary. And, and how wonderful, Brother Branham says, how wonderful that our Lord has all the answers. Do you believe that? Yes. Truly in Him are all the promises of God fulfilled. And truly by being in Him, we are heirs to what He has purchased for us. Truly. By being in Him, we are heirs to what He has purchased for us. Now, take your Bible, if you don't mind. Let's go to John chapter 9. And uh, I, I'd like to... Uh, just demonstrate a little principle here that, that we have. Um, that we want to show you. Now, <clears throat> I've always been fascinated, truly fascinated, with the questions that Jesus asks people. In the Bible, he asks... In the, in the four Gospels, Jesus asked 307 questions. He only answers three of them. But he asks 307 questions. Like, uh, who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? Or, the baptism of John, was it of God or was it of men? And he asks lots of really good questions, but he only answers three. He answers one of them in this question, in this passage right here. And this is a, a, a really great uh, passage of scripture. I love it and I've, I've uh, gleaned many, many things from it. And uh, this is a story, and I'm going to paraphrase most of it here, so just stay with me. And one of the things that uh, I want to show you here is that in this passage, there are 15 different questions that are asked. And uh, I want to say to you this morning that in a, in a healthy way, it's not wrong for us to ask questions. Because there's a lot of things that happen in life, and there's a lot of things that happen in your Christian walk that we don't always have answers for. There are things that go on. There are things that happen. There are things that are said. Things that Brother Branham said, and things that the, the Bible actually teaches that we don't always have you know, easy answers for. And so therefore, you know, it's not unusual or unnatural for us, for us to ask questions. Now when we ask questions with a wrong motive, that's a different story. When we ask questions in a way that causes somebody to trip up, you know, and I, I, if I, for instance, if I said, you know, about my mouthpiece, Cohen over here, my prophet over here, and I said, you know, uh, Cohen is, he's, I saw him out back in the church there, and he was, I think he was smoking, I'm not sure, but I think he was smoking. And, uh, 
You know, I, I, I can interject things about people. I can say things and I can question certain things and, and cause doubt. And all I'm doing is trying to discredit something or someone. Now, I will tell you something. God doesn't like those kinds of questions. He never has, right? But when people are genuinely trying to, trying to search for truth and people are really wanting to know what's right, hey, God understands questions and, and uh, he made us like we are. And, and I, I think sometimes it actually is a healthy thing for us to ask questions. And Stay with me because we're going to illustrate this a little bit here. Now, as Jesus passed by, he saw a man which was blind, and his disciples asked him, and here's one of the questions here, who did sin, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? So in other words, we, we really want to know, uh, because in that season, in that time, and, and that's still not gone away, but in that time... People believe that if you were prosperous, if you had a big farm, if you had a, a good position, then you were blessed by God. That's what people believed back in that day. If you were sick and crippled, and if you were uh, downcast, if you were uh, poor, really poor back in that day, they figured, all right, it's got to be a cause for that, and uh, this person is not, uh, not blessed by God. Must have sin in his life. That spirit really hasn't gone anywhere. That's, that's kind of still around. Because a lot of times we measure spirituality by stuff. And that's a wrong way to measure spirituality for sure. Because God's blessings are not always measured in, in uh, bank balances, right? So that's a wrong way to think for sure. But they're, they're concluding this thing. They're asking the question. In other words, what separates this man from God? What, what is it that's happened that separates this man from God? And they start to go back. Is it him, or is it his parents, or is it something that happened way back there? You know, tell us. And they're, they're kind of, in the, in the way of thinking, and this is the thinking of the day, that they would go all the way back and try to find some source or some cause as to why this person is separated from God. Why is it that this man is experiencing this? Now, he had to think about this man for a minute. He's born blind. So all of his life, he's probably also asked the question, what have I done to, to bring this judgment upon me, and I haven't, I, it happened right from my birth. You gotta wonder how many times he's asked himself the question, what have I done wrong? Or, uh, what, what happened in my family? And how that his identity is all about being blind. I mean, if, if he, he's a, his life is reduced to begging from people and hoping that he gets something, imagine how he must feel about God. Because he's saying, if I can't even get people to give me things, why should I expect that God would give me things? you got to think about his, how he thinks about himself. And, uh, you know, this is a little bit of an off, uh, an, uh, a rabbit trail here. But he, he's, he's got to be filled with questions like that probably all of his life thinking about that. And, and some of us, we go through things and we think, well, why does that happen to me? Or what did I do? Or what, did, what happened that something happened that way? And I would just like to say this, that I think in reality the disciples are asking the wrong question. Because rather than asking, why did this happen to this person? Why did this judgment come? They should be asking him, what restores us to God? Wouldn't that be a better question to ask in a case like that? How, what, what, what do we need to do in order to be restored to God? What does this man need to do in order for his health and his sight to be restored back again? What is it that, uh, you know, can happen here? And, and that would have been the better question because Jesus said, Hey, listen, I need you to understand. You're looking at this backwards, that this man has not sinned, neither his parents, but for the glory of God. This man is where he is today. 
And so Jesus identifies and demonstrates what his real mission is uh, on the earth as Messiah because he's there to restore. Isn't that right? His whole purpose is about restoration. Isn't that right? It's restoring men back to their original place. It's restoring us back into the position of uh, being sinless and spotless and justified. Somebody say amen. That's exactly what Jesus' mission is. And so he's not there to push people back or go back and say, ah, that's where you went wrong and that's where you went wrong and leave it there. No, he's interested in restoring to where it should be. And God is still in the business of doing that. God is still very interested in doing that. And so, uh, you know, he's saying to this, uh, in this situation here, this is what, what you're going to see is evidence of, uh, the, the, the restoration and the restor- restorative power of God. And that's what you're going to experience here. So he, he prays for the man. He, he spits in the mud, makes the mud, puts it on his man, on this man's eyes and off he goes and he's excited. And all through the rest of the chapter tells the story of everybody questioning him and asking him, well, how did that happen? And what did you do? And what did that man say to you? And uh, the scribes and the Pharisees came to him and questioned him and asked him all kinds of questions about uh, what actually happened. And, and the man finally says, I mean, they asked the parents and the parents didn't want to say anything because they'd be afraid they'd be kicked out of the temple. But finally, uh, they asked this man himself. And, and he says, well, hey, let's go back and pick it up here if you don't mind. And um, verse 30, the man answered and said, why, hearing is a marvelous thing that ye know not from whence he is, yet he opened my eyes. I mean, this is really incredible that, that here's a man that uh, did this to me and did such a great miracle right in your church. And you don't even know who he is. Imagine, imagine you've got such a great person here that could do that. And you don't even know who he is. And now we know, 31, we know that God heareth not sinners. But if any man be a worshiper of God and doeth his will, him he heareth. Since the world began, was it not heard that any man opened the eyes of one that was born blind? And if this man were not of God, he could do nothing. If this man were not of God, who is he? Tell me who he is if he's not of God. Tell me who he is if he's not uh, got some supernatural power or some vital connection, an intimate connection with God. Tell me who he is. In other words, you know, he's, he's asking good questions as well. And they answered and said unto him, Thou were altogether born in sins, and dost thou teach us? You know what, you know what the problem is? They're stuck back there in that thinking, and they're refusing, they're refusing to change their way of thinking. They've got light, they've got Jesus' word, they've got a miracle right in their church that day, and they're still saying, nope, we know that people are born blind, and you're a sinner, and something funny's going on here. Yeah, you're right, something funny's going on here. And you need to wake up and, and, and just, uh, you know, uh, realize what God is actually doing right in your midst here. And this is what this man is telling them. And so, uh, you know, they, uh, the Bible says in verse 40, uh, 34 that they answered and said unto him, Thou wast altogether born in sins, and thou dost teach us. And they, they kicked him out. Hello? It, it'd be just like, I mean, think about it. You know, in Brother Branham's meeting, just say that somebody comes in a wheelchair or a stretcher, and Brother Branham prays for him, and, and he's, they're perfectly healed. And instead of saying, thank you, Lord, my, how wonderful is the presence of God. And, and uh, taking Brother Branham and running him out of town and saying, hey, uh, you're, you're, you got to get out. And then taking the man who was healed and putting him out. I mean, it, it's not even logical. It's not even making sense here. But then it says in 35, then Jesus heard that they cast him out. And when he founded him, 
He asked him a question. Here's one of the other questions in this chapter. Does thou believe on the Son of God? And he said, Who is he, Lord, that I might believe on him? And Jesus said unto him, Thou hast both seen him, and it is he that talketh with thee. And he said, Lord, I believe. Absolutely, Lord, I believe. This is, this is wonderful. And, and then the, 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 really, the really sad part is the next little part that goes on. And Jesus said, For judgment I am coming to this world. That they which see not might see, and that they which uh, see might be made blind. This, this last part here now is really where uh, we, we see this summary of all that's happened in this particular incident. And Jesus said, some of the Pharisees which were with him heard these words, and they said, are we blind also? And Jesus said unto them, if you were blind, you should have no sin. But now ye say, we see, therefore your sin remaineth. Tell me which blindness is the worst kind. Tell me now which, which people are sicker in this whole parable, right? Which, which people need more help in this parable? And, and it's, it's such a sad commentary on this religious system in that day because they're believing in a certain way and refusing to open their eyes when, when God is showing them something. God's standing right in front of them. God manifested in flesh right there, fulfilling the promises, fulfilling the word. And they're, they're so caught up in their own idea and their own interpretation and their own way of, uh, of looking at things there. And they say, no, no, we're not gonna, we're not, we're not gonna do that. We're not gonna open our eyes. It's like, uh, the, the Catholic, uh, hierarchy that would not look through Galileo's telescope in order to see that actually the earth is not the center of the universe, but that the earth actually revolved around the sun. You remember that? And Galileo came in and brought him a telescope, and uh, he said, I'm here to prove to you that the, the earth is not the center of the universe. And they refused to look in the telescope. They didn't want to, I mean, why let truth get in the way of what we believe? My goodness. That only, that only makes it, no, we're not going to do that. We're not going to accept truth. Even when truth is standing right in front of them, right there. So asking questions is a, is, is an interesting thing because you can see the kind of questions they're asking and then the kind of questions that Jesus is asking. It's, it's amazing how insight and light comes when we ask the right kinds of questions to the right one. When we ask the right person the right question. And, and, he, and, and God gives us the right answer. You know what? It's a beautiful thing because then light comes. Understanding comes. But when we ask the wrong question, because we're still trying to stay, remain in our, our blindness and our darkness and our stubbornness, uh, it only gets darker. It only gets, it only gets more limited. Now, so last Sunday, a couple of Sunday nights ago, we talked about the fact that we need an absolute. And, and Brother Bram said it really doesn't matter how much we say this ought to be or that ought to be. It's got to be according to his word. And so all, we need an absolute. Let me tell you, this world needs an absolute. Our, our government needs an absolute. Uh, the school system needs an absolute. Everybody needs an absolute. Prophets don't know everything. That was the second point that we made, that uh, God does not show his prophets. was believing that Joseph was dead for 20-odd years, 21 years. And uh, God never showed him during that time. Because God's not obligated to show his prophets everything. And prophets are not gods. I said prophets are not gods. You're going to have to take it up with God that God made them human. Prophets are human. 
And they were born of a woman, just like we are born of a woman. And yet God uses them in a special way. But still, prophets don't know everything. They're, they're truly human. And then the last thing that we brought on that particular uh, Sunday night was that we need to all stand fast. And God has chosen us from the beginning unto salvation. And uh, God, God is very, uh, very concerned about the battles that we face in any particular age. And he gives us that which we have need of in order to stand in a particular age. Everybody all right? And then we also mentioned, I'm going very fast over these points here, that our beliefs come, the things that we believe come basically from these four sources, that there are facts that we learn. We learn things in school. Uh, We learn things like the Bible says a a pastor's got to be the husband of one wife. That's a fact. It's not up for debate, like like two and two is four, or divorce, divorce hurts children. Those are facts. Personal experiences are the other things that uh, teach us and help form our belief system. Things we go through, things we experience. Like Brother Branham, when he lost his wife and child in the flood, that forged something in him. That changed him. Also, the experiences of others we trust. When we recognize people that we can trust and believe, uh, hopefully you can believe some of the things that I tell you. Uh, they're, 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 those experiences help us to uh, to know things and to have confidence in things. None of us, none of us were there uh, when Brother Ram spoke squirrels into existence. I, I happen to believe that that is true and that happened. Um, and partly through talking with Brother Ram's daughter, and she said, you know, we ate the squirrels. We had them because that's what Brother Ram was out hunting for in the first place was the squirrels. And then the other way that God has of, of teaching us is through our, uh, through revelation. And God is the author of revelation. You don't know God by intellectual conception, Brother Branham said. You know God by faith. And that's the only way that you know how to believe God. You, you can't explain it. No one can. That's not for you to. And God is without finding out by explanation. There are no, there's, there's no book that gives you all the answers and there's no logic. Uh, that you can use in order to understand God, there's always an element of faith. Isn't that right? There's an element of faith. Now, <clears throat> again now, there, there are things, I, I found this list to be interesting, that there is a list of, uh, I, uh, someone was re- referencing this and I found it, a list of things that children have learned, learned by experience. And the first one is that no matter how hard you try, you cannot baptize a cat. The second thing is that you do not ever let your three-year-old brother hold an egg or a tomato. Ever. Those are facts we know. If your mom is mad at your dad, don't let her brush her hair. (laughs) And the mothers are saying, what do you mean by that? You can't trust dogs to watch food for you. And finally, you don't sneeze when somebody's cutting your hair. So those are, that was a list of things that kids actually learned and learned well. Now, Brother Branham was asked a question. Brother Branham, when Isaiah spoke about the daughters of Zion and the crisping pins, this is Isaiah 2 and 3, about the crisping pins and the curling here instead of a well-set here, baldness would replace it. Does that apply today? Will that apply uh, to today? Or is the Bible of no effect, as some say? So is the Old Testament of no effect? Brother Bram says very categorically, and I won't show you all of the statements here, but here's Brother Bram saying the Bible is always in effect. And every word that God says is in effect. Huh. Yes, sir. The only thing it does from the New Bible, New Testament, to the Old Testament, it was magnified. So when we come out of the Old Testament into the New, there's a magnification of his word. 
And there's an understanding that goes with that. Jesus said, you have heard them say. And Brother Branham uses this example many, many, many times because it's a good, apt example. He said, uh, thou shalt, you've heard them say, thou shalt not commit adultery. He said, you had to be in the act in order to be guilty of adultery back then. But I say unto you that whosoever looketh upon a woman to lust after her has committed adultery already in his heart. Oh, he said, what great outstanding things they are. So there's a magnification of his word. Now let's, let's explain that, all right, because we're not Jews, we're not Old Testament Jews, but let's go back and look at this magnification. Deuteronomy chapter 6 and verse 4. Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God is one Lord. That's the Shema. That's the first thing that Jewish uh, believers learn. And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart, and with all thy soul, and with all thy might. Do you think that's still true? Do you think it's still in place? Absolutely. When they asked Jesus in Matthew 22, which is a great commandment, he says, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy mind. This is the first and great commandment. The second is like unto it, Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. And on these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. So everything, that word hang there means literally suspending. It means that everything is suspended on this core principle, this core teaching that... We, we love God with all of our heart. He's first. He's got to be the A to Z. He's got to be the infinite. He's got to be the, the, the whole encompassing uh, object of your love in your life. You love God with all your heart. We love him more than our chickens. We love him more than our mom and dad. We love them more than our children. We love God more than anything else. How many would agree? And that's the teaching. That's the teaching in the Old Testament. That's the teaching in the uh, New Testament. That's still the teaching today. That has not gone out of season. That's still true. And the second commandment is like that, that we uh, love our neighbor as ourselves. So the Ten Commandments uh, are, are structured that way. Half of them basically for uh, the, the first commandment. The other half, thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not steal. Uh, those things are uh, for the second half. Now, let me review this real quickly with you uh, when we ask the question, is the Old Testament done away? And we know that the Old Testament uh, laws, the 613 laws that are given, are basically divided into three categories. There's ceremonial laws. You shall offer uh, this uh, uh, offering, this turtle dove for this particular sin. You'll offer a she-goat for this particular sin. And, And these were ceremonial things. The priests will dress a certain way. And uh, there we'll set up the tabernacle and it'll face this particular direction. All of those ceremonial laws are categorized that are easy to identify in the Old Testament. And then there was also dietary laws. So there were certain things that God did not want the children of Israel to eat and they were to stay away from, right? And then there are moral laws. When we talk about ceremonial laws and dietary laws, those ones were basically fulfilled in the life of Christ and in the work of the Messiah because now we don't have to offer a dove when Jesus offered himself a greater sacrifice. And by one sacrifice, right? By one sacrifice, not by a sacrifice every week, but by one sacrifice now, he's justified us freely forever. Isn't that right? So which sacrifice are we going to partake of? Well, the one that justifies us forever and in the eyes of God. And so therefore, he fulfilled that. And then the dietary laws, the same way. Moral laws, are they still around? Absolutely. There are laws in this county about thou shalt not kill. 
There are laws in this county about uh, stealing and, and uh, you know, uh, bearing false witness against thy neighbor and stealing your neighbor's firewood and all the rest of it. I, I'm, I'm real careful because I'm, I'm, for the first time, yesterday, I was mowing my lawn. Me and Brother Sean, wherever he is. And uh, he was helping me yesterday. And uh, I was mowing my lawn. But the markers about where our boundary lines are are not there. And I asked the landlord, where, where's the boundary line? Where's the marker? Because you don't want to be mowing someone else's lawn. Or, let's put it this way, they probably would not want me to be mowing their lawn. And uh, so uh, I had to, had to be real careful. And I was going to go around and ask the neighbors and say, hey, I'm mowing out here. You know, get your kids in and the dogs and everything else. And uh, where's, your, where's your boundary line? But nobody was around yesterday. They were all doing something else. And uh, But either way, we, we, we're careful about somebody else's property. And that's still true, right? In Deuteronomy chapter 22, it says, When thou buildest a new house, thou shalt make a battlement for thy roof. A battlement is a rail or a guard so that your guest doesn't fall off the roof. Is that still in effect? Sure it is. If you dig a great big hole in your front yard, and so you invite somebody to come over, and after they leave your house and it's dark and they fall in the hole and break their leg, whose fault is it? It's your fault. So you got to put a battlement. And, you know, you put a tape or some marker. Hey, all I'm saying to you is that the moral laws are still in place. Everybody okay with that? Because you don't want somebody to fall down from your roof. Hey, let me tell you something. Even if you dig a hole and a burglar comes to rob your house, and they fall in the hole and break their leg. Guess whose fault it is? It's your fault. Because you didn't put a battlement there. So you still got to put a battlement in there. Believe me. Deuteronomy 22.5. The woman shall not wear that which pertains unto a man. Neither shall a man put on a woman's garment. For they, they that do so are an abomination unto the Lord thy God. That's still in place. That's a moral law. Everybody okay? That's still a moral law. I'm going fast here because we've covered this. And in the Old Testament, there was uh, laws and commandments and so forth, prophets. In the New Testament, now the focus is on grace and mercy, prophets as well. But, uh, you know, discernment and love and loving our neighbor as ourselves. So Jesus says, think not that I'm come to destroy the law or the prophets. I am not come to destroy, but to fulfill. I'm here to bring things to pass. I'm here to bring things to, into fulfillment that need to be brought into fulfillment. So the Old Testament promises and prophecies about a Messiah, I'm here to fulfill that. I'm here to breathe life into that and make it happen. And, and that's, what he's, that's what he's teaching them. But don't think that we take the law now and lay it all aside, because there are a lot of things about the, the law and the Old Testament that are still true today. Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God is one. And many, many other things like that. Now again, we're not Jews and we don't worship like Jews, because we worship in spirit and in truth. Right? And we are justified by faith and all the rest of it here. So when Jesus says, now you've heard that thou shalt love thy neighbor and hate, uh, thou shalt love thy neighbor and hate thine enemy, but I say unto you, love your enemies. Now find me in the Old Testament where, uh, Jesus or the, or the Old Testament, they were commanded to love your enemies. Remember we talked about the tribe of Benjamin who committed a sin a couple of, a couple of weeks ago when we were talking about the glorious church? Remember? And the other 11 tribes came against Benjamin. Because the idea was not, oh, we're just going to love everybody and everybody just have it. Let's have a group hug and sing Kumbaya. Uh, that's not what they did in the Old Testament. You know what they did? They drew the sword and went out and said, hey, hey, God said for us to get this out of the camp. So guess what? We're coming after you. That's what they did back in the Old Testament. Aren't you glad we don't live by that law now? 
John Anthony wasn't here on Wednesday night. You know what, buddy? You and I are going to talk after church. You're going to lose your parking spot. We don't live by that kind of legalism today. And I will tell you, you never need to guide or threaten the bride with legalism. Because we don't follow God by legislation. We follow God by revelation. We don't need to dictate to the bride of Jesus Christ what they should or should not do. You know why? Because if you've really got it, you've got the Holy Spirit inside of you that causes you to walk in his statutes and in his, in his law and in his word. Uh, it's not you doing it. It's Christ in me that does it. And so therefore, we don't need to force anybody to do that at all. And so Jesus is uh, he's saying the same thing. I'm being repetitive here. And then in the token, he says, remember, he never takes back. God never takes his word back, but he adds to it. Thou shalt not commit adultery, but I say unto you, he never takes back. He adds to or he magnifies what he gives to us. He builds on what, what, what he gives. And he says, we're walking from one church age to another one. And as we move up, God continually magnifies the same word and just keeps it going like that until finally the church will come. Until finally the church will come. Here's the effect of God magnifying his word. Until the church will finally come into the image of Jesus Christ, which will be his bride that he will take home. God is magnifying his word for a reason so that that magnification shows up in your life. He wants you to reflect him. He wants you to reflect the the actual word of God, because that is God. And he wants to identify who you really are. And he said, that's the thing that we're looking for now. And all of this winds up and culminates in the bride actually being taken home. Again, you know, he says, I'm just doing the same things, but uh, same uh, repeating. But I want you to watch here because sometimes people say, well, why does Brother Branham uh, preach a clothesline religion? And you shouldn't be preaching a clothesline religion. You shouldn't be telling us uh, what we should be wearing, what's acceptable and what's not. I beg to differ with that. And I, I, I notice in Brother Branham's ministry from the beginning right to the very end, he talked about dress and he talked about conduct and he talked about attitude and he talked about holiness You know why? Because that moral principle, moral law, is still in effect. It's still the word of God, and it's still in season. In the same way that thou shalt not kill your your neighbor, kill uh, thou shalt not kill, is is the moral law still in effect in, uh, in the same way for us? And so Brother Branham had every right, he had every commission to to preach things like this. Oh, he said, brother and sister, in this world we live, let's conduct ourselves as sons and daughters of God. And he's not, he's not giving us permission because, you know what, you're under grace. Live whatever way you want to, but be right in your heart. Dress whatever way you want to. God looks at the heart. It doesn't matter. He didn't say, oh, you know, you can cut your hair. You can, uh, women can wear uh, pants. You know, it doesn't matter. He didn't say that at all. He said, we're aliens here, but our behavior ought to be according to what? The commandments of God. You know where this is? This is less than a month before God takes him home. But our behavior ought to be according to the commandments of God, that we are sons and daughters of God. You are representatives of another kingdom. You are ambassadors of heaven. And you are people that reflect this living word to a dying world. And you're to conduct yourselves a certain way. Hey, these rules aren't mine. These rules aren't uh, Brother Branham's rules. These are God's rules. These are God's way. These are God's commandment. And our behavior, we should act and do and everything according to what the laws of God laid down. And he talks about cutting hair. He says it again. He might say, he said, I might say, well, how many here are Christians? Probably 9,500% would raise their hands. And he says, as long as you believe that, it's all right. But he said, if you say you're saved and still live for the things of the world, your fruits prove that you're not saved. 
I've always said that he said that I'm strict. I believe in holiness. But if you make yourself dress like a holy person or act like a holy person, that doesn't make you a holy person. In the same way that if you stand in the forest, it doesn't make you a tree. But if the spirit within you makes you live that way, then you know you're all right. Well, all right, so you can say to me, well, Brother Barry, I really felt like I should come to church today and dress a certain way, and I don't have tattoos and everything, so I must be okay. Hey, you can hang around in this church for a while and figure out what the dress code is and figure out what we shouldn't do, right? And figure out how to sing and how to worship and how things are done here. You all have, and that's not a bad thing, but that doesn't make you bride. How do we know that we're living right? How do we know that we're lining up with God's word? It's because we're doing things that God has said. And we're not choosing to uh, pick out what we like and what we agree with and what feels good to us. We're living by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Somebody say amen. amen. He said, that's how you judge yourself. Then, then you know you're judged and you're not condemned with the world when that happens. Again, he said, Jesus sounded his trumpet and he showed them by signs and wonders that he was the Messiah. The Christian soldier is trained to hear the pastor and no matter what he says, it's going to be okay. That's not what it says. The Christian soldiers trained to hear the word sound. Christian soldiers, hear, we're, we're trained, we're, we're in tune with the word sound of the gospel. And he's trained to hear that. My sheep hear my voice. A real sheep hears the word of God. How many sheep do we have here today? Real sheep hears the word of God. And you know what? The word of God is not always easy to hear. It's not always easy to accept even uh, in our hearts because sometimes it'll, it, it's like rubbing the cat the wrong way. Sometimes it's like, uh, you know, uh, being something that is, is not really what we want to hear and to go the extra mile and to give our cloak and all the other things that we are uh, commanded to do as Christians here. But yet there's something about a real sheep that they come back to the word of God every time. Do we make mistakes? Yes. Do we blow it sometimes? Yes, big time. I was mentioning about Noah, wherever he is. There he is, over here on Wednesday night. And I, I didn't mean just to isolate Noah, but let me ask you the question. Is, you know, I've, I've seen a change in Noah. Noah's seen a change in Noah. Uh, I don't know whether you've seen a change in Noah, but I know of this, that there's been a change. And he answered the right way, and he said, don't thank me, thank God. But I'm not only seeing a change in Noah, I'm seeing changes in other young men and, and young ladies that are here. And you're telling me, some of you young folks are telling me your experiences and what you get out of church and what happened uh, in a particular service and how God spoke to you here. And, uh, you know, I look around the room and see that. I'm so, I'm excited about that because uh, that's, not, that's not something I, I, I trust. And I believe that, uh, you know, it's not something you're just putting on and just, uh, just pretending or just say, I want to be uh, part of the youth group or I want to, impress some girl or something else I'll tell you what there's just something about the long haul that when you see that pattern in a person's life and then each one of you rubbing off on one another and hanging around with with uh, good young men and good young women here and uh, you know being faithful in church and all of that I, I'm, I'm thankful for that I'm excited about that as a pastor why wouldn't I be excited about that but I'll tell you what if it's put on time will show that up if it's not put on time will show that up too if it's real, we thank God for that. If it's not real, we pray that God will get something real. We pray that you know, they'll live good and live right and live, live separated and live holy until God really drops it in their heart and it becomes real. And then you can put our young people in any environment, in any situation here. And you know what? They're going to come out of the woods in the spring like, uh, like real purebred Texas cows. They're going to come out there because they got the goods. They got the real stuff. They got the real stuff. They got the real thing. 
And, and that's, that's obviously what we want to have. Real sheep come back to the voice of God. They, they, they hear it and they believe it and they understand. And so our, our, our thrust is that, uh, like Paul said, it's a small thing. He said that I'm judged of you. Not that he was disregarding what people thought or said. He wanted to make sure that he was ministering to the people in the right way. But he said, I live to please God. I live to serve him. And what he tells me, that's what I must do. Because he was a prophet as well. So let's, let's do this for another few minutes here. And I, I've used up a lot of time laying a foundation here, but let's look at this question that was asked, Brother Branham. I don't have the whole answer here because the answer is of several pages in questions and answers. And uh, I can, you have the reference here. If you go to our website, you, this PowerPoint will be there. So you can look at the reference yourself and look up the whole answer Brother Branham gave because they ask a very broad question here. But it's a great question. Brother Branham, here's the question that's been sort of puzzling us here. On some tapes, you speak only of the Jews being saved after the bride is raptured. And Brother Branham deals with that. Then he said, please explain fully about the Gentiles that don't go in the rapture. Foolish virgin and people who are left behind in tribulation. That's a, that's a great discussion. And that's a sermon in itself. We've talked about that before and will again. And I thought you said that the Gentiles that were left went through the tribulation and gave their testimony uh, of Jesus. And he said, when he returns from the Gentile to the Jews, then there isn't any more chance for Gentiles to be saved. Just the Gentiles who have been saved, but not received the last day truth, will go into tribulation period and then be saved in the end. Is that right? <laughs> the short answer is yes. It is, that is right. That is correct. So they're, they're, they're just piecing together now this, this question and, and Brother Bram's teachings, and they're trying to pull it together and ask him uh, some good questions here. They just want to be sure that they have it right. So this is not an example of a bad question. This is a good question. Please explain, because uh, you said that there would be just a small number go in the rapture. Yes, proportionally, it's a small number that go in the, in the rapture. In the last days, what he... What he indicated to us, that it would be a very small number. The world would not really even know. I mean, and, and that's true, because imagine, imagine if you had another pandemic and everybody was shut in. How would you know people are gone? Some people haven't come out yet from the first one. <laughs> they're loving it. Hey, they're, all the tape people are saying, hey, stay home, listen to the tapes. Yeah, you know. Sorry, I probably shouldn't have said that, but... So what about the people that believes in the Lord now and don't believe the way you preach for this end time, end, end time day message? Will they be saved? Because in, in realty, or in reality, depending on what part of the world you're from, there are good people out there who profess to love the Lord. They go to church, they have a King James Bible. And they can look and act very much like us. Some even look more holy than us. I'm not being critical. I'm just saying that some people really take this stuff serious. And yet, for one reason or another, they don't believe the message. They don't want to hear the message, or they've never been exposed to the message. So the question is, what about people who believe in the Lord and don't believe the way you preach it? uh, Preach this end-time day message, will they be saved? So that's a really great question, and it requires more time than what I've got. Now, purposely used up time in giving you uh, some of the things that I've said here already this morning, and I hope they're not a waste of time. But for the last little bit here, let's just focus on this question, because this is an important one. 
And, and this is something that um, is good for us to have clear in our minds. Let me give you the paragraph or two that Brother Random deals with this last question here. This, again, this is not the whole answer to this two-screen question. There's several sermons in here, and he goes on and talks about uh, Israel and how they come in. The Gentile bride goes out, and the, uh, the foolish virgin is in tribulation. It's really a great teaching. But he says, now, very good question. The Gentile bride, not the Gentile church now, the Gentile church will go through the tribulation. But the bride is the elected. They go through nothing but the rapture. Aren't you glad? Somebody say amen. They're just changed and taken out of the world. I, I'm, I'm, I'm so glad that that is true. I'm so glad that that's real. Brother Danny, I, I'm just so delighted that I don't have to think about or worry about or wonder about tribulation. It, it's not on my agenda. It's not on my menu. I, I don't see it there at all. Thank God we don't see it there at all. And God has, how many believe that God is a predestinator? Sure he is. God has made decisions long before we got here. In the same way that he made decisions about Jeremiah long before he got here. Before you stood on the earth, I sanctified thee a prophet. You know what? Before Noah got here, uh, not, not biblical Noah, but that one. Before we got here, God predestinated and God had names on the Lamb's Book of Life. Not, not Barry Coffey or Noah Cockman or, or uh, Hunter McKintish or had something on the Lamb. That's not how it's written there. But God put a mystery on, on the Lamb's Book of Life for this day. And he put something in me to respond to that mystery. That proves I'm connected to the Lamb's Book of Life, right? We've gone through that. <clears throat> so God's a predestinator, and he knew exactly who would come. And I will tell you what, if God has predestinated you, he's put something in you that guarantees you'll respond to the voice of God when it's sounded in your hearing. He's, he's elected you, he's chosen you for salvation in a particular time. And he said, now for the bride then, he said, they're the elected, they go through nothing but the rapture. We're all, in other words, we're all heading to the same event. We're all heading to the same moment in time. But there's a, a predestinated people who are taken away in the, in the change of our bodies, and there's another people who are going to go into the tribulation. Do you believe that's true? That's, that's the Bible, right? Now, I'll explain that. He said in a further question here, bringing it up from Luther, and you'll see then what it means. It's a maturing of the body, and a Jews that's left is the one who'll be preached to by Moses and, Eli, uh, Moses and Elijah. And that's Revelation uh, chapter 11, and that's, that's all pretty clear. Now, he said, now, this is my own thoughts, minister brethren, in my way that I feel the Holy Spirit's revealed to me. Is that okay for a prophet to say that? He said, I'm just being honest, this is the way God's shown me now. And he said, the next, and and again, I'm bringing you a portion of this answer. The next thing to happen is a Gentile elected bride to be caught up with the rest of the Gentile elected bride down through the ages and caught up with Christ in the heavens. That's what's going to happen. We which are alive and remain shall be caught up with those that have gone before us. We shall all meet with the Lord, so shall we ever be with the Lord. The dead raises, the ones that's alive and remain is changed. They're caught up together. That's what happens, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. And after the wedding supper and glory, after uh, that has caught up in the skies, Jesus returns to the earth, makes himself known to his brethren, the Jews, just like Joseph did in the Old Testament there. Joseph revealed himself to the Jews. You know what? When that happens, you're not here. When that happens, we're gone. When that happens, we're, we'll be home. 
I don't know whether God will allow us to look over the banister of heaven and see it happening, but because it'll happen in an hour, and that would be a good way to spend an hour, especially if you're in eternity, that all Israel would be turned back to the Lord in that moment when God reveals him, when Christ reveals himself uh, back in that moment. I mean, it'll be great, but you won't be on earth. You won't be reading it on your phone then. It'll be something that will happen after you're gone. Say this with me. I'm glad I'm going home. And I'm glad I'll be gone when this all happens here because that's, that's an event for the Jews, all right? So, so that's, that's what's taking place. So Brother Bram's carefully explaining down through this question here, and then he comes down. Now, what about the people that believe in the Lord and not the way you preach? Often people will say, well, what about the thief on the cross? I mean, he didn't have a chance to be baptized, right? No, he didn't. And you know what? It, it's, it's important to understand that God judges the heart of any individual, right? And here's a person who, in his confinement on the cross, as he can't get off the cross and say, hey, if you don't mind, can you let me down from here? I'd like to go get baptized. I'll come back. He doesn't have that luxury. <laughs> so he has to die in that condition. But you know what? He dies as a believer. Because he's professing, hey, hey man, this is the Son of God. You don't know who you're talking about here. This is the Son of God. And he talks like a believer. He's professing like a believer. He's defending the word. Right? And he's done everything he can do in the situation that he's in. And, and Brother Bram says, now, they don't have to believe this. They don't have to believe the way I preach it for the last day's message. Will they be saved? Yes, if they believe Brother Branham. That's not what it says. That's not what it says. Yes, if they believe the Lord. You know what you had to be in this day? You had to be a believer. Let me tell you something. We are not a cult. We're not people that follow Brother Branham around like puppies follow somebody who's got the food. We're not robots. We believe the word for our day. We also believe that if God wanted Brother Branham to stand here and preach the word for our day, he'd be here. But God did, God did not allow Brother Branham to live as long as we're on the earth here. God had a plan. God had a plan for that prophet to bring the word of the hour and then had a bride to receive that word and rise up in maturity to believe that word and walk in the light of the word for our day. Thank God for the message that illuminates and opens up the Bible to us so clearly. How many of you are glad for the message that opens up and illuminates things in the Bible that we never knew and the seals and how to be baptized and what does God require and all the the right ordinances that we should be doing now, the right things that we do to please God. That is a product of God restoring in the last day because God's a restorer. In the same way that he restored sight in John chapter 9, God restored truth in our day. And we are a people who walk in the light of that truth. We believe that truth and embrace that truth and we're not standing around looking up at some airplane in Arizona parked in the desert there waiting for Brother Bannon to come back and give us all rapturing faith. We ain't doing that and we're not going to Arizona in order to have that happen, saints of God. I don't believe that's what God wanted. God wanted a bride to be able to receive the word, follow the Holy Spirit all the way from here in the glory. That's what God wanted out of this bride. That's the way he wanted us to believe it in this last day. Not to be uh, just robots and just parrots of what Brother Bannon said. Hey, listen, if that's what God wanted, he would have told us all. Somewhere, Brother Branham would have said, somewhere, Brother Branham would have said, buy yourself a really good tape recorder and just keep playing everything that I said. Don't think about it. Don't worry about it. Just keep playing everything that I said. You know what? God wanted us to live this word in this hour. God wanted us to live as Christians in this hour. God wanted us to live as believers in this hour. 
Thanking God for the Bible, thanking God for the message, thanking God for the instruction he's given us because we face things in this age that no other age has, has, has faced. Like the internet. We, we, we have to deal with things. Not, not to say that there aren't other good people. The Bible tells us there were five foolish virgins and five wise virgins. You know what? They're all high, moral, uh, morally sound individuals, right? The only, the only problem is they don't have oil in their lamp. How do you get oil in their lamp? How do you, how do you know you're actually saved today? That's not changed at all uh, in, in our understanding. That's not changed at all. How do you know you got it when you believe the word for your day? Now, when they say, I don't believe that he's the word, I don't believe that that's right, I don't believe in the baptism of the Holy Ghost, that shows where they're headed for the tribulation period. Because God puts it in a believer's heart to accept. That doesn't mean that there aren't good people in the world. I know, I know, I have friends who are good Christian people, good moral living people that are good people that are neighbors and co-workers and friends and people in our community. You probably all know the same thing in your homeschool groups or support groups and uh, in, in different situations that you find yourself in. You find people that love the Lord, carry their Bible. They go to church. They're, uh, they're into it. And you know what? You can't condemn them at all. A lick for living that way. I thank God they're living that way. And I would love that more people live that way. I would rather have somebody point at me and witness to me rather than point at me and shoot me on a street. Absolutely. But I'm not the predestinator. God has a predestinated plan. And he said, Jacob have I loved, Esau have I hated. That was not Brother Branham's decision. You're not Brother Branham's decision. I said, you're not the product of Brother Branham's decision. Brother Branham was sent for you but I will tell you that you are, Brother Bram didn't decide who's going to be bride when I leave here. God decided that from before the foundation of the world. God will judge those people outside the body. God will judge those people outside the bride. God will judge those people that uh, live, try to live best they can morally right. He said sometimes people are led down the wrong path because of their church and the teachings of their church. And they will say, hey, we believe the Bible, we love the Bible, we sing and worship, we sing all the uh, Maranatha-type music and so forth, and we, you know, we just sway like everybody else, but you know what? Our church doesn't believe that God sends prophets in this particular age. Well, you know what? That might seem like a simple statement, but that cuts off a great deal of truth, because you know what? The problem with that is that rapturing faith lays in that. God put that in there. So therefore, they cannot rise like the bride can rise because God puts something in you that brings rise. God made you a bumblebee, right? It's not logical. It's not normal. But you know what? We rise anyway. We can't change our bodies, but we do because God made us that way. God puts something in the message of the hour. So God predestinated a people to receive that message of the hour. So Brother Bram's not trying to build himself a following. And you've got to understand, he's not trying to accumulate a following, building a memorial, building a, a bigger crowd in his church. As a matter of fact, I'll give you a statement where Brother Branham said, my trustees get all over me because uh, we don't build a bigger tabernacle and have all the people in the world come and visit here in Jeffersonville. He said, that's what my trustees are after me to do. They want me to build a big place, stay home, and preach in this big auditorium, have more and more people come. And Brother Branham said, I tell him, No. Because that's not what God's asked me to do. He said, go, in, go into the world 
into all the world and preach the gospel. And he said, when God leads me to go to India or God leads me to go over to Clarksville or God leads me to go over in Kentucky over here in some place, he said, I want to be free to do that and not be bound here because I got to stay because we got to pay the mortgage because we got a great big building and we got a lot of people and they're all coming here. So I got to stay. Now all of a sudden he's being pulled by two different forces and a prophet is pulled by only one force, Right. So therefore, he's got to do what he feels led. Not that that's a bad thing, not that that's a wrong thing. But what, what he's telling us here is that, listen, it's really important for all of us to obey the Lord, follow the Lord, walk with the Lord, and walk in that light because God gives a portion of the word for every age. Be obedient to that. Walk in that. No matter what happens after I'm gone, you walk in that light. You follow the leading of the Holy Spirit. Is anybody out there this morning? That's what he wants us to do, not to build a cult around William Branham. Not to build some sign of a, you know, build, uh, build t-shirt or a build belt buckle or something else. Hey, listen, that's not what God uh, has gathered us for. Now God has gathered us to live as the bride in this last day, walking in all the truth that we know until God takes us off the face of the earth. But those who can accept the, the word in its fullness, not me preaching it. In other words, if God takes me, what are you going to do then? Because it's the Bible says so. Those who can accept the word in its fullness because it's the Bible said so. We're believers in what the word says. I hope you you understand this. I hope you can give me a little grace here and I say this. What's important is what's said, not who says it. Now God vindicates the message. And the messenger, obviously, God vindicated Brother Branham, right? And these signs follow them that believe. But if I gave Cohen the message and said, Cohen, I want you to, to read that. He is my chosen prophet for this hour. And I gave him uh, that particular passage and he read that. That would be him speaking. But let's say that he dies. Let's say you die. Yeah, just like that. And then young Henry rises up to preach the gospel. And Henry takes that and reads it out. Does what he say not count? Does what Henry say not count? It sure counts. Because you know what? It's what he's saying. Not that Cohen is not saying it. That's not, what, that's not what's important. It's not that Cohen's not here to say it anymore. All right, we don't, we don't go to church anymore because Cohen's not here. No, that's not what God wanted. God wanted the word to be heard, whether it's him or him or him. That's what God wanted, the word to carry on, the word to be scattered, the word to be printed and published all over the world, the word to be broadcast all over the world so people could follow the word, listen to the word, hear the word as a prophet brought it and as it opened up the scriptures to us. That's what God wanted to have in this last day. And by God's grace, that's still happening. The word is still going out. We thank God for that word. I thank God for the message every, every day that I wake up. I thank God for this message. And I thank God that God's chosen me uh, to, to put a calling in my life so I can go preach it in different places in the world. I'm excited about that. I get passionate about that. I love that. I wish Brother Branham was here to say it because he says it better. But you know what? He's not here. So God's called me to preach it. i got to preach it as faithfully as I possibly can. It's not necessarily the fact that Brother Barry is saying it. It's what is being said is what's important. Does that, does that okay? 
So now we can have a bride all over the earth. And they're, they're speaking different languages. And they're gathering in different places. And they're, uh, they're preaching the truth. That's what's exciting. And I believe, that a brother, I believe that if Brother Branham came back. I don't believe that he's coming back before the resurrection. But I believe if Brother Branham came back. I don't believe that he's coming back before the resurrection. But I believe if Brother Branham could stand here today. March 19th. Is, is it the 19th? March 19th here to stand here on the earth and see all of these churches and 150 churches in Hickory and all the other churches in the rest of the world and all preaching the message of the hour. You know what? They might be saying it a little bit differently, but they're preaching the message of the hour. I said they might be saying it a little bit differently. Some might be more sweaty than the other one saying it, but you know what? They're preaching the message of the hour. I think Brother Bannon would say, hey, I'm going to go back to where I came from. I'm going to go back into the portals of glory here. These folks are carrying the message on to the coming of the Lord. They're carrying the message on uh, to the change of their body. Wouldn't you agree? That's what Brother Bannon would, that's what Brother Bannon's desire was to see a bride rise up, believe the word, walk in the light, and keep going all the way into glory. Or do you think Brother Bannon would delight in the fact that everybody becomes stagnant and just kind of sits there and waits for him to return? Denying the work of the Holy Spirit today. I don't think he'd be happy with that. I think he'd say, hey, get up, get doing. Believe the word, apply the word in your life. Go to church, get your Bible, get behind your pastor. Like Brother Matt said last, last uh, Sunday, he, and he was quoting out a, uh, you know, what house will you build for me at Perry Green? And he said, now we'll put Brother Barry in there for Perry Green or put Donnie Reagan in there or Tim Pruitt or somebody else and get behind the cause. Get to a church where you can hear the word of God because it's in the word. That's where rapture is. It's in the word. That's where salvation is. It's in the word. That's where healing is. It's in the word. That's where your joy is. In the word. That's where the change of my body is. It's not in Barry Coffee. It's in the word of the hour. Hey, we thank God that he's called ministers to preach it. But let me tell you, it's what's being said is what matters. It's not that Brother Branham is standing here and saying all the words here. I thank God for Brother Branham. But you know what? I thank God we have the Holy Spirit that still quickens the same word to us. That carries the bride further along. Because God's always in the process of progress. God's always in the process of building spiritual character. And those who can uh, accept the word in its fullness, not me preaching it, but because the Bible says so. That might, listen, I don't know whether this is going to bother you or not. I'm going to say it anyway. Uh, I, I, you know, at my age, at my age, and I'll, I, I'm, I'm, I'll just say that I'm a candidate for the joy dinner. At my age, I got to think about, well, what if? What if I got on one of those Delta planes and they decided not to bring me back, right? What if I was MH370 and went down somewhere? And, and what about, what would happen to this church? My job is to make sure that you carry on because I don't want you just to stand, come to church every Sunday and look at the empty pulpit or have a cutout of me like we have a cutout of Lucas at home and just put it right here and play tapes of Brother Barry. I would be really disappointed if you played tapes of Brother Barry here. Outside of my testimony bound for glory. I would be really disappointed if you put a cutout of me and just press play and listen to Brother Barry. Some of you had that idea, didn't you? I can tell. John Anthony had that idea. I'd be disappointed in that. You know why? Because that's not what we're meant to do. We're never meant to go this far and stop and just wait. We are meant to go all the way. God wants us, come on, God wants us to go all the way. God wants us to lead. And so we, 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 to me, part of my leadership is to develop uh, what happens after and, you know, coming along behind me and, uh, you know, making sure that the, the church is cared for. That's part of my leadership. That's part of my job to do that. 
And I will tell you, if Brother Branham was here, I believe he'd say the same thing. Not me preaching it, he says. Not me standing here in the pulpit forever, because I'm not going to live forever. In this body, he knows he's got a terminal amount of time. But you know what? We believe what the Bible says. We believe what the Word says. We believe that the people in the tech booth should change the clock. We believe very adamantly that they should change the clock. Because I thought I had a good hour and a half more to go. (laughs) Praise God. You're saying praise God, right? We're not a part of a cult. And I'll give you another piece of information here. We're not following a man. We follow them that follow the Lord. But we are under the leadership of the Holy Spirit. As sons sons of God are led by? Voice of God? No. Sons of God are led by Johnson City? No. And I don't mean to be critical of uh, any, any particular person here. I'm just saying the sons of God are led by the Spirit of God. If I could, I would predestinate a whole bunch more people. Because I know some good people. But you know what? That wasn't my choice in the first place. It wasn't my decision in the first place. Things we have to do to just let them rest in the hands of God. We have to let them, hey, God's going to sort it all out in the end. God's going to do a judgment for those people that are ordained to go through the judgment. God's going to sort it out. People have been good to the bride. I, God's, God's going to take care of that. It's not my job to judge anybody. It's not my job to put somebody in or somebody out. I can't do that. I never put my name on the Lamb's Book of Life. I can't take it off. I never put your name on the Lamb's Book of Life. I can't take it off. You didn't put my name on the Lamb's Book of Life. Satan didn't put my name on the Lamb's Book of Life. He can't take it off. God's got a predestinated plan. I'm a part of that. And I, I, I want to be, be sensitive to that. I want to be in tune with that. Because uh, let me tell you something. There's, there's a lot of things about this life and people around me and everything else that I cannot change. I cannot make people love me. I cannot change people's thoughts of me. I cannot change my uh, eternal destination. I believe that's been, uh, f- that's been concluded already in the hands of God. Brother Johnny's he's got to go for uh, the major surgery this week and uh, going into that. I'll tell you what, I, and I, I don't mean to say this wrong, Brother Johnny, and you know my heart, that, uh, w- listen, whether God takes him home or whether he comes through that with flying colors and he's out raking mulch soon, which we're all going to be doing, let me tell you something. He's a winner either way because as a son of God, God's got a place for him in glory. We've got a place for him here at HBT, one or the other. He's a part of the body, part of the word, believer in the word. And let me tell you, God's in control. I, I, rest, I rest in that not only for him but for me and for you, for everybody else, for every family here. God's got a place. God's got a, God's got a predestinated plan. We need to rest in that. There are things about other people that I don't know. I don't know how it's going to come out. I don't know whether God's going to take them in because they live right, good, and holy in this life here. That's not up to me. That's not up to you. That's up to God. And God will take care of that. But I do know this, that God sends a word in every age, right? God sends a message in every age. And he puts something in us to believe that, latch on to that, and walk in the light of that until we get out of here. No matter how long it takes, no matter if there's other ages coming, no matter uh, what, what transpires between now and then, let me tell you, it's, it's, it's going to happen God's way according to his plan, and nothing's going to change that. Because we are not saved because we try hard. We're not saved because we come to this church. I'm not saved today because I can shout. I'm not saved because I, I feel like I'm saved. I'm saved because I met God's condition of this Bible. 
I'm saved because I met God's condition of this Bible. And he that heareth my words and believeth on him that sent me hath already passed from death unto life and shall not come into the condemnation. And on them conditions I'm saved because God said so. And if he told me, uh, that, if you tell me, if he told me that you're saved because somebody said a mighty rushing wind hit me in the face, he said that's wonderful. But I want to know where that rushing mighty wind came from before it hit me in the face. <laughs> he said, now what kind of life are you going to live after that mighty rushing wind hit you? It's by your fruits you're known. He said, demons can move right among Christians. So lots of people say, well, I did this and I met Brother Branham and I you know, got, got a handful of dirt, all the rest of it. Hey, listen, uh, that's, that might be nice, but I will tell you what, it's, it's how you live every day, how you walk in that light, how you respond to the Bible, how you respond to the Word of God. That, that, let me tell you, those fruits are the things that God's looking for. He's looking for what comes out of that conversion. He's looking for what comes out of that transformation in your life. Do you understand? He's looking for what evolves out of there. Can you really forgive? Can you really uh, have the joy of the Lord in the bad times? Can you really follow me even when it gets dark and things don't make sense? Can you really follow me when you come to the edge of the fiery furnace and God says, take another step? And God brings you to the edge of impossible and then says, all right, now we're going to go for it. Can you follow God? That's what God's looking for. God's not looking for, uh, well, I, 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 I've been to Sunday school every week or, uh, you know, you know, I, I, I've always attended the men's meeting and, uh, all, I, let me tell you, God's not interested in that. God's not impressed by that. God's not impressed by, uh, you know, the, the outward appearances and the outward things there. I've never slept in the church, Brother Barry. All my life, I've never slept in the church. You know what? I, I would thank you for that. I, I really appreciate that. But, uh, God's not gonna say, whoa, 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 bring that guy up front. If you don't mind, bring him up. Hey, God's not gonna do that, saints of God. Let me tell you, He's looking for a response to the Word. He's looking for that reaction to the Word. He's looking for that changed life. He's looking for something not only that you say, but that you live. Because your life is, is speaking a lot louder than what your words are. That's what God's looking for. If God wanted Brother Branham to be here, Brother Branham would be here. If God wanted us to stay home and play tapes, and just be, be listening to what Brother Branham said, you know what, there would be somewhere where Brother Branham would say that to us. But you know what, Brother Branham, what I find Brother Branham telling us? Go to church, pay your tithes, take communion, wash the feet of the saints, get behind the cause. Believe the word of God, walk in the light. There's a message that's sent for you in this particular hour. Hey, embrace it, believe it, walk in it, rejoice in it, and let it, let it take you where it wants to take you. Let's stand to our feet. Let's stop there. Revelation changes the way you see God. Revelation changes the way you see uh, uh, the, the Bible. Revelation changes the way uh, you, you see uh, yourself. Revelation changes everything. And when God reveals something to you and it's according to the Word of God, let me tell you, it, it's going to change the way you see uh, how you live your life. Everything about it. God's going God's to change your perspective by giving you a revelation of His Word and of His ways. Are there, are there questions? Yes, there always will be. Are there people who think we're heretics? Yes. I mean, that started in the early church. Are there questions I can't answer? Yes. Are there things I'd like to sit down and ask Brother Branham? Yes. Are there good people in the world? Yes. Yes. I think there's a lot of good people in the world. There's a lot, of good, a lot of people in the world just want to live their life. And they, want to, they just want to you know, go to work and provide for their families and raise their kids and, and uh, walk their daughter down the aisle. And all, a lot of people just want to live a normal life. 
But God said, God said about the bride, for instance, God said about the bride, I'm going to send the message and she's going to receive that. God made the Jews different. God said something different about the Jews. They're going to do something over here. God said something about the Pope. You know, there's going to be a different plan of action over there. Who decided all this? It wasn't you and me. It wasn't Brother Branham. It was God. You know what you need to do? You need to rest in him. Trust, rest in his leadership. Trust that God's got this worked out. If you have the true baptism of the Holy Spirit, it will lead you according to God's word. And if you walk according to the word, you'll encounter Malachi 4. You'll encounter Revelation chapter 10. You'll encounter baptism in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Think about the bride. Everything they encounter, they say, amen, got it. Yes, Lord, I'll do it. And they keep walking in that, keep walking in that. That's what they do, right? That's what they do because they're believers. That's what believers do. They believe. They believe. Amen. Here I am to worship. Here I am to bow down. Here I am to say, you're my God. Are we okay this morning? Is that all right? Present truth. Present truth is a powerful thing. Let's sing it this morning together. Let's just worship him now together. Here I am, worship. Here I am to bow down. And here I am to say that you're my God. You're altogether lovely, altogether worthy, altogether wonderful to me. Light of the world, you step down into darkness. Sing it out now. Just worship him, saints, this morning. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for ISAP. Thank you for your mercies, Lord. To the earth created, all for love's sake became pure. So here. Here I am, Lord. Say that you're my God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus.
altogether wonderful to me. I'll never know how much it costs. when they made Brother Bram's grave and they built that pyramid they made it and put an eagle on the top of it and it was an eagle that was like this and pointing to the sky guess what somebody stole it somebody stole the eagle so they went back and they got another one and they made the same kind of an eagle and they put it on top of the grave it was just like this and you know what somebody stole that finally They put another eagle on top. And you know what they did? They made it like this. With the wings spread out. Like he's flying. Like he's moving. And you know what? It's still there. I think we're never meant to just fold our wings and just stay like this. I'm just drawing a little insight from that. A little AI. Artificial inspiration. Well, I will say this, that God never meant us just to stand here and say, God sent a prophet, God sent a prophet, God sent a prophet. You know what he wanted us to do? He wanted us to spread our wings. Because we're going to need to fly higher than any other age to get into the place no other age has walked into. They all had to die to get in there, but we're going to fly in there. And that eagle is still there. That eagle is still there. Yes, sir. I'm turning back to the heart of worship. I'm going back to the heart of worship. Let's sing that this morning here. Do you feel like singing and worshiping a little bit? I'll be quiet. Let's, let's just let... Your worship is like the rain that falls on seeds that have just been planted. And this is what your worship's about now. So let's not rush out. Let's just worship a little bit and let the rain fall on those seeds that have just been planted. When the music fades, all is and I simply come Longing just to bring Something that's worth That will bless your heart I'll bring you more than a song For a song in itself Is not what you you search much deeper within For the wings You're looking into my heart Oh, I'm coming back 
Jesus, it's all about you, Jesus. I'm sorry, Lord, for the thing I made it, for it's all about you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord.
I'm not afraid of any questions about the Bible or the message at all. Not at all. Never have been. You know why? Because it isn't mine. I believe God's got an answer for his own word. It might take us a little while to get it, but you know what? God's got an answer. And you should not be ashamed of, the, of this message and its standards and its priorities and its focus and its content. Hey, go into all the world. Preach the gospel. Don't be ashamed of it at all. You don't know who's elect? You didn't know you were elect. Cast your bread upon the waters. Watch what God does. This is God's word. It's God's people. Hey, he'll not lose any of them. You'll never never scare away an elect seed of God by preaching the message to him. And you know what? The best thing you can do is live that message in front of him. That's the best message you've got. Open our eyes, Lord, and let me see Jesus. Let's sing that this morning here. Open our eyes, Lord, and we thank God for the insight he's given us. Lord, give us more. Give us, give us more clarity. Give us more understanding. Lord, and there's probably people you know in your families or people you work with, and you want to say, Lord, open their eyes. Make, hold them on your heart and just say, Lord, give me a word to say to them. Give me something I can witness to them. Lord, help me. Help me to be a real faithful witness of the kingdom. I got people I'd love to see saved. I got a sister who's, who I'd love to see saved. She's close to the kingdom. One of those people is close to the kingdom. I'd love to be able to say something to her, tip her over that, over, make that next step. I, I bet many of you have the same thing. You got people that you know and love. Not that, not that they got to be a part of this church, but you want to see them saved because we know what's coming next. Open our eyes, Lord. We want to see Jesus to reach out and touch Him. And say that we love Him. Just Father, we thank you, Lord, because you have ordained us to see things in our day that we didn't even know we were looking for. But Father, you have blessed us. You have called us. You have sanctified us among the nations. Lord, you've given us a great message in this last day, and I thank you, Lord, for the messenger and the message you brought. I thank you, Lord Jesus, for salvation and the reality of eternal life. Because we never got eternal life on any one day. 
but we found out we had it. And Lord, I pray now today in the name of Jesus Christ, and Lord, you'd continue to move among this assembly, Lord, and bring healing to those who need it. Healing, Lord, of our minds, our hearts, our attitudes, our bodies. Lord, in every way, we want you just to be able to pour yourself out. We want to create an atmosphere where you're always welcome, Lord. We do not have Brother Branham to stand here, but Lord, we have you to come here. And Father, we invite your presence to be very near, very dear to our hearts. Touch us, Lord. Speak to us. Break us. Mold us. Lead us and guide us. Lord, in everything we do, in everything we do, may we bring honor and glory to your name. How we thank you and how we love you for your word. How we thank you, Lord, for the instruction that the Holy Spirit can bring. Speak to us now today, Lord. Comfort us with your presence through the rest of this day, we pray. Because we know your mercies are new every day. And we depend upon that. I thank you, Lord, for this assembly. Thank you, Lord, for this congregation and their love for your word. I thank you, Lord Jesus, for their care for people in other nations. And Father, I pray you'd bring relief to those who are suffering. Help us to do our part. And Lord, I pray that you continue to use this assembly to fulfill your purpose in the earth. In Jesus' lovely name we pray today. Amen. You're welcome to stay and worship a little bit. God bless you as you go. Open our eyes, I didn't mention Brother Ron's mother. We've been praying for his mother, and uh, she was in the hospital. She's still in the hospital. We want to continue to remember her and uh, going through a difficult spell. And uh, Brother Ron, we've been praying for her because I knew about it and just trust that the Lord will undertake for her and bring healing. Give thanks with a grateful heart. Give thanks. The whole 
he's given Jesus Christ his son oh and now will let the weak say I am strong let the poor say I am rich because of what the Lord he has done for us and now oh let the weak say I am strong let the poor say I am rich because of what the Lord has done for us. We give thanks. Give thanks. 